Welcome to another episode of The Different Podcast. This is a very special episode, and I was so excited, and I am excited to bring this to you guys because I was blessed with the opportunity to interview Dennis Prager and Eric Metaxas, and it was extremely impactful and insightful. And I hope this encourages each of you to stay strong in your faith, in your worldview, and all around just inspire you because at the end of the day, that's what I strive to do, and I pray that we do that for each other. So without further ado, So just to kind of start, I was just going to ask, and I guess I can ask both of you, and you guys can kind of ping, ping back and forth if y'all, if y'all are able to. Um, just with both of you, how did or what kind of pivotal moment helped you decide where you wanted to stand as a young person or even your worldview? I know L- you let him answer that, and I'll <laughs> answer the first uh, things that you said. Okay. The tragedy in a nutshell with your generation, and for that matter, Uh, the generation preceding yours. This is not new. It's a form of child abuse. You were not given a worldview. You were told to be guided by your feelings. Uh, Other than shoot yourself, I cannot think of a worse way of raising a child. It is is a guarantor of emptiness and uh, pointlessness and no direction. The worst thing to rely on in guiding you in life are your feelings. And uh, that has been the, the message since World War II. So it precedes your generation, my generation, the morons known as the baby boomers were raised with that idea. That's why they became morons. Except for those of us who were told that our feelings are important to us, our parents, and our shrink, and nobody else. All that mattered was our behavior. If that message had been conveyed, America wouldn't be in the problem state that it is. Wow. It's hard to add to that. So let me just say, uh, I, you know, I think it's interesting. Everybody's raised differently. I was raised going to church every Sunday, but it never really was made clear to me that these things are truth. It was just kind of, this is just what we do. Uh, My father's Greek. We went to the Greek Orthodox Church, really wonderful community. But when I went to college, which is Yale University, very, very secular, you know, very uh, anti-faith, very anti-biblical worldview, very leftist, really. And they claim to be interested in truth, but the reality is they're not. It was political correctness. It was kind of woke stuff already in the 80s when I was there. So I got very confused, and it was only through a miraculous conversion experience uh, around my 25th birthday that I woke up to the reality that God is real, the Bible is true, and that's the only foundation you could ever have. God only spoke in one book, and it's the Bible. And we don't live in a culture where that's popular or where that's understood, but there's no way around it. It's like saying, I don't like math. Well, it doesn't matter whether you like math or not. You can't build a building. You can't do anything unless you understand this is reality. This is the way uh, if you want to understand things, you, you know, you have to go by what is real and what works. And the Bible is real, and the God of the Bible is real. And if you don't get that, you're going to be lost. And I say that because I spent years lost, and it's painful. You can make terrible mistakes. And so for me, that's really the basis of it, is find people who love God and hang around them and uh, learn what God wants from you, because whatever he wants from you, it's going to bless you. It's not going to hurt you. Well, 
kind of the two ideas here, which is almost like we see them in today's culture as complete opposites, is the idea of truth and feelings, you know? How do you balance those? Because I know a lot of kids in my generation is like, well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or kind of this idea of like love everybody, accept everybody. And of course we know like acceptance, like I can, I can love you without accepting everything that you do and everything that you say. So how do you balance that dichotomy of truth and feelings and emotions? Well, they're, they're not a dike. Well, they're they're a dichotomy, but they're they, it's like how 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 do you balance food and flowers? They're, they're, they have different functions. Food has one function. Flowers have another. Feelings make us human. If you have no feelings, you're a robot. But feelings cannot guide you. Uh, build me a bridge. Well, I feel that the girders should go there. Well, we don't care what you feel. Do you have mathematical support, engineering support for your conviction about the girders? That's all that matters. I might add to uh, Eric's point that we have gone from God is not real to math is not real, which is inevitable, incidentally. The secular world uh, produces uh, no, no wisdom and now is anti-knowledge. The Oregon, this is not an opinion, this is a fact. The Oregon Education Department has announced that there is no one right answer in math. There is no religious Jew or Christian who buys such drivel. Only secular people buy such stupidity. Not all secular people do, but only secular people do. Secular people keep me religious. That's and that it's true, right? I you know I was going to say like feelings feelings can be real and good and they can be evil. Sometimes I feel like I want to kill somebody. Should I do it because my feelings are really strong? Well, most people would say, no, you probably shouldn't do that. And well, I say, why? My feelings tell me I should do it. Well, that's where you need absolute truth. God tells us, thou shalt not murder. You obey God because he knows what's best for us and for everybody. And feelings are very deceptive. We, feelings change. Uh, you could feel something really strongly now, and a few years from now, you feel just the opposite. So you really have to be around people who understand that feelings are like many things. They can be good or bad, but if you make them your god, they will destroy you. Um, and people need to understand that. There are worse things than hurting somebody's feelings. And uh, you have to know what is right and true. And you can still be kind but sometimes you have to be strong with, with what is right or wrong. And if people don't like it, that's on them. Yeah. I, oh, are you going to say something? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned love earlier. Uh, I, I'm in the midst of my five-volume commentary on the first five books of the Bible. They're the books that the rest of the Bible rest on, both Old and New Testaments. And uh, in my commentary on... Uh, the Ten Commandments, which appears in both uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy, I note I have a list of about 15 false gods because people think that if you don't bow down to idols, you, you don't worship false gods. But we have more false gods today, I think, than the ancients did. One of them is love. Love is a, is a, uh, is, uh, is a beautiful vehicle if you have the right end. But uh, do you know how many Germans loved Hitler? Do you know how many Russians loved Stalin? So this notion that love is a, is a be-all and end-all, love is the answer, is nonsense. It's literally nonsense. Love whom? Love what? Yeah. No, that, and that's kind of that idea of like loving 
or like you said, love is a tool and, you know, love is also a person. Love is Jesus. And Jesus is also that absolute truth. And it's kind of, and I guess well, I, I think Christians have, 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 have caused, caused the problem here with their, with their I think they, I think they and, I'm and I'm a biggest, biggest non-Christian Christian, Christian fan living. living. I, bought, I, bought, I, really I really do believe I brought more people in America to Christianity than any living pastor. Just, just, just to tell you. To tell you. And I wouldn't, and make, I wouldn't make so. That's actually true. I happen to know this. This is kind of an amazing thing. Yes. Yes. So I just so want to make that clear. That clear. But uh, I, 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 I see Judaism, my own religion, and Christianity through clear glasses. The, the uh, Christianity has overemphasized love. Uh, they, should uh, they should have put, put up billboards, not God is love, a God, uh, God judges. judges. We'd have a, We'd much, have a much, much more loving society if people thought God judged them. Yeah, and that's kind of, I was having that conversation with a friend the other day, just kind of like we focus so much on the love side of God that we forget the reason why we needed the love in the first place. You know? That's a great point. You're a young person. How do you know that? No, that's really, I, I know, of course. <laughs> no, but that, that is a good, it is a good point. And you realize it's, it's a little complicated because when you use words like love, what do you even mean by that? You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's it, it, if I um, if you love your kids, if you have children, a lot of this stuff becomes clearer because you realize that if I love my kid, I'm going to be strict sometimes. It's because I love them, and God loves us more than any parent could ever love a child, and He does judge and He has rules, but it's because He loves us, and so it's not about feelings. A lot of times we act like love is feelings. It's it's much more than that. Even even with parents, I think it's wa been wildly overdone, the love issue. Yes. I think children need security and boundaries more than they need love. A parent who loves their child and provides no boundaries will, will hurt their child much more than a parent who is not particularly loving but provides boundaries. And if you think about think it, about the, boundaries the boundaries are love. Are love. It's That's a different right. kind of love. That's it's exactly. just not mushy feeling. It's, it's the real love. deal. So, uh, so yeah, I, I usually, I usually uh, always agree with Dennis, and of course right now I do. And, you know, I was going to say to young people, to be inspired, uh, watch Prager University videos. They will give you a phenomenal education in many, many things. People need to understand that's an insane resource uh, just to understand how the world works, and it will help you in figuring out everything. And that kind of goes to my next point, too, is the fact that we live in such a bite-sized piece kind of world. Like, we want kind of, they say, like, the microwave generation. It's like, we want things now. We need this now. And so the question was directed to Mr. Prager. But kind of why did you create PragerU? Because it's been such an important part of my generation when I try to, you know, like, culturally evangelize people. I'm like, hey, go look at this video. Like, I can't explain it any better because and I think that's inspired so many people when I ask them, like, what – What's helped you so much? PragerU is definitely up, like the top of the list. Well, I'm glad. I I, I know that's true. Uh, it's a very it's very hard for me to answer because um, I'm self conscious, which is very rare for me. But I'm self conscious with the answer. But nevertheless, I'll tell you the answer that uh, that is true from a very early age, and I I take little credit for this. This is is either God-given or, or just the way it is, I felt that I had good answers to the problems of evil, which always bothered me, the problem of evil. And uh, my whole life I knew the issue is not coming up with good answers, it's getting the answers out to more people. And frankly, I wasn't all that 
optimistic that I'd get it out to a lot. I mean, I had a radio show with millions of listeners, but I, there were 7 billion people in the world. Millions is, is not a lot. It's a lot compared to not millions, and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. And then the books and, and, and whatever I could use. But when my dear friend and producer of my show, Alan Estrin, said to me uh, in the middle of the Indian Ocean, I have a way of getting your ideas out to more people, uh, Prager University, I thought he was joking, except Alan Estrin has not told a joke in his life. And so I knew he was telling the truth. And I said, what do you mean? said, well, there's such a thing as the Internet. We should use it. Let's get these ideas out. And of course, you know, I only give one out of 10 of, of the five-minute courses, but, but nevertheless, these are the values that, that I have promulgated, and they're wonderful people giving the courses. And the trick is to do it uh, in five minutes. He, it was his brilliant idea to do it in five, not three and not eight. Five works well, and uh, by the way, when you think about it, the greatest ideas, I don't mean all the subtleties, but the greatest moral ideas and wisdom can be given over in five minutes. How, how long is the Sermon on the Mount? What, 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 what would it take I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't there. What? I thought you were. No, no. I'm not as old as I look. <laughs> so uh, think about it. The Ten Commandments. You, you could read the Ten Commandments in, in three minutes, two minutes probably. Again, the Sermon on the Mount, the, 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 um, the Gettysburg Address, uh, that's not five minutes. What is it, ten minutes? I mean, it, it, it's, the, you know, Jesus was asked, right, to, to use the Christian example, what are the great, uh, what, what does God want? To, to, love, to love God and to love your fellow man. How long did that take? Five seconds? So five minutes is a lot. The, the uh, academic uh, world takes a vast amount of time to say nothing. The wisdom world takes little time to say a lot. Hmm. Yeah. And I know we're running out of time here, but you've both touched on these things that I know, especially as Christians, and kind of, I'm going to a Christian college, and it's come, come up in conversation of like, you know, with elections or like even the abortion issue or just being a Christian and wanting to say what we've said here, just like we're, we're equipped with the knowledge. We're equipped with, you know, the word of God. And yet I was still finding so many of them were afraid to say something. They didn't even need to go and like have a YouTube channel or have a podcast, but just like in their social circles, were afraid to say things. That's normal for young people. Yeah. But they need to understand that it might be normal, but it's not good. We have to, uh, I mean, I wrote a story about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor who got involved in the plot to kill Hitler, and everybody around him was pretty much afraid to speak. And if you really believe in God, you cannot have fear. You, You have to trust God and do what is right and leave the results in God's hands. And it doesn't mean you have to be a sawed off maniac telling people every thought that's in your head. But there are times when things are important, and when you speak up and speak the truth, there are a lot of people who will be blessed. They're hungry to hear the truth. They're waiting for somebody to speak the truth. Uh, And I think people need to know it really is important. And if you don't speak up, you become part of the problem. I'll just amplify in in, in a sentence. You either fear God or Twitter. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can't get better than that. <laughs> and that was under five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> under five seconds.